Hi, need a ride? Hop on in. I'm headed to Julia's Trucking Cafe. Come on, let's go. We made it just in time. Come on, let's go get a seat. Hey everybody, welcome to Julia's Trucking Cafe. Everybody get a seat and something to drink? I'm sure glad everybody was able to make it. Like I try to mention to everybody, they try to understand what, why I call the show The Cafe. Because back in the day, just a little explanation for those who are new, back in the day, we used to all run together. There would be about 15 or 10, 15 of us or so, and we would all stop together. If somebody was broke down, we would stop together. We would have a meal together. It was more like family out here back then. Um, and they really started pushing the uh, hurry up, hurry up with the driving schools and everything. And let's get your CDL. You can make all kinds of money and stuff like that. And it really got away from the family. So that's why I'm trying to have this like a virtual cafe. Where come on in. Have a seat. Let's talk trucking. Now I have lots of news to get to. So let's get right to it. I do have a couple. Uh, I do have at least one update. Now for those new people that are, like I said, just new to the show, and if you are a, a regular listener, I greatly appreciate you. If you would uh, do me the honor of just um, listening to me for a little bit, give you the, some background information on this story. Now back in April, this young man of 23 years old was going eastbound on Interstate 70, coming into Denver, Colorado, down Lookout Mountain. And if you've ever been across there, we all know that the truck speed limit is 45 miles an hour. Well, this young man was driving recklessly, was doing over 85 miles an hour. He not really lost control, but in a way, yes. He did not take either runaway ramp. He tried to hit the shoulder where another truck was broke down. So he stated that instead of rolling over the truck, he veered back into traffic that was already stopped for a previous accident and ran over four cars killing four people 24 cars total i'm sorry killing four people and trucks were included in that mess so of course they arrested him on 28 different counts uh four uh vehicular homicide and uh, another 24 counts of reckless disregard uh, of human life. He had he was remanded to Colorado. Well, his family got together and on a GoFundMe page um, donated, got uh, or, or should say raised $120,000. Great for them. Great for, you know, him and his family. I wish I could get people to do that, but anyway. I digress. So then he got out on $400,000 bond. Now, if you were ever in the prison system, I'm a paralegal as well as a truck driver. And I work for, uh, you know, I still, I don't do it anymore, but I have worked for a criminal attorney. And you only need to make 10% of your bond in order to bond out. 
So he only had to come up with $40,000. Well, hence where the $120,000 came in, besides hiring an attorney. So he's out on bond, which, I mean, us truck drivers are extremely, and I'm sure the families are extremely upset over. According to his attorney, well, he's a great young man. He's not going to run. When all of us truck drivers know better, yeah, he's going to haul ass. He's going to run. Well, he had, that was his initial court date. And where he pled not guilty, of course. Well, now in July, I find a story. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stay updated on this kind of news for y'all. Um, July 11th, he had his preliminary hearing, which is the next step in the phase. And then, you know, preparing for trial. Preliminary hearing, you know, you hear kind of hear both sides to make sure there's enough evidence to hold him over for trial, which, you know, we all know, of course, there is. Uh, video evidence and witness accounts and everything else. Well, I found this article on his preliminary hearing. His legal team lawyer is trying to blame the crash on the truck driver that was broke down on the side of the road. He's saying the guy was just parked there. From all initial accounts, the guy was broke down there. So, and defense attorneys will do this. No matter how mad it makes your blood boil, that he's trying to get out of killing four people. And he needs to be made a um, example of. Word I'm trying to search for. But the, the, his attorney's job is to try to get him off. I mean, that's just, just the, how the court system works. Got a prosecutor prove, trying to prove to the judge he's guilty or jury. And then he got his attorney trying to get him off. We all know this. So on the 11th, he appeared in court in Colorado. His attorney said that the truck that was parked along the shoulder was actually to blame for the crash. He said, quote, he's a truck driver. He parked his semi on the shoulder of the road, thereby blocking the safe route through this stop-and-go accident and really was the proximate cause of the accident, but is not charged with any traffic offense and it's illegal to park on the shoulder. He was broke down, number one. I'm sorry, I'm going to say it, jackass. And number two is the shoulder of the road is a legal stop and go for an accident. It's, a, it's legal in Colorado to run down the shoulder of the road? I don't think so. And in another major revelation of this preliminary hearing, Mr. Aguilera in this court appearance, it came out that he traveled on I-70 route where the crash occurred three times before so you should remember that mountain you should remember oh you know i'm going down this damn thing a little bit too fast you should remember oh there's runaway ramps over here you know he's only been out of the state of texas driving for two weeks and then he also tried tried to flee the scene as well so, you know, how many more excuses are they going to try to give? But there again, that's his job. Following the hearing, Aguilera was ordered to stand trial. However, the judge did grant a request that would allow Aguilera to leave the state because he lives in Texas. Of course, he wants to go see his family. He's from Cuba. Come through, he's got Texas a family in Miami, I mean, not Texas, but family in Miami and Texas. And in this article that'll be in the show notes, you can see the cause of the crash, which is horrendous. He had a load of lumber he was hauling, a flatbed, and it was right underneath the overpass, and it's, it's horrendous. 
people lost their lives. He should be held accountable for that, you know, and but his lawyer is trying to get him off. Just, you know, unfrickin' believable. In other news, a 40-year veteran truck driver was honored with one last convoy. I knew this gentleman, not knew him personally, but I knew of the trucking company. It's a company out of Wisconsin, uh, Gunderson Trucking. A truck driver who spent decades behind the wheel was recently accompanied on his final ride by a convoy of semi-trucks. 64-year-old Wisconsin-based semi-truck driver Randy Gunderson lost his life in a single vehicle crash in Minnesota on July 15th. Family members wanted to fulfill his wishes and give him a trucker's procession send-off. Gunderson, who spent more than 40 years of his life as a truck driver and eventually founded his own trucking company, told family members that he wanted a funeral convoy when his time came. And following his passing, a group of 23 truck drivers, some of whom had never met Gunderson, turned out on July 20th to give him his send-off he deserved. Gunderson's son told News 8000, quote, the sound of that first horn, I just remember it growing up all the time, having him honk the horn and doing everything he could to make me love the truck. And with the send-off, once I heard that first horn, I completely lost it. And I think a lot of others did too. That's what he probably wanted as well. And it's a great thing that kind of made it so much better than, than what it was. In this article, there'll be the video at the bottom where you could see his send-off. And most of them are his trucks, his company trucks. From his, you know, rest in peace, Mr. Randy Gunderson. All of us at Julia's Trucking Cafe send our sincere condolences. You have hauled your last load We've got it from here. Police say that a truck driver failed to slow down in a crash, ended up killing three people. Illinois State Police have issued preliminary charges against a truck driver for his role in a fatal crash that happened on I-70 on Saturday, July 20th near Effingham. It happened around 11 a.m. Authorities say that traffic was slowed for construction on eastbound I-70 at around mile marker 90 when 59-year-old Michigan-based semi-truck driver Aslan Pino, P-I-N-O, crashed into an SUV. The impact of the crash sent the SUV crashing into a trailer of another semi-truck and caused a third semi-truck to crash into a concrete barrier. Police say that a fourth semi-truck was also involved in the crash, but that it wasn't damaged. So they let the driver leave the scene. Three people in the SUV, 59-year-old Virginia Abrams, 63-year-old Matthew Murphy, and 61-year-old Marlene Murphy all died in the crash. Three others were injured during the crash and were later taken to the hospital. The incident resulted in a six-hour closure of a 10-mile portion of I-70 on Saturday. On Sunday, the authorities announced preliminary charges of failure to reduce speed to avoid a crash for Pino. This crash still remains under investigation, and this was reported on July 22nd. And in other news, FMCSA to examine violence against females and minority truckers. The FMCSA says that there is, quote, accumulated evidence, both documentary and anecdotal, 
for a serious pattern of harassment and assault-related crimes against female and minority male truckers, end quote. The federal FMCSA has announced plans to conduct a survey on the prevalence and severity of race and gender-related harassment and violence experienced by women and minority truck drivers. In a document scheduled for publication in Federal Register on July 23rd, which is now, the FMCSA announced plans to submit an information collection request, an ICR, entitled, quote, Crime Prevention for Truckers, end quote, designed to give the agency more information about the frequency and nature of assault and harassment of minority and female truck drivers. The FMCSA says that the study is warranted due to the, quote, accumulated evidence, both documentary and anecdotal, for a serious pattern of harassment and assault-related crimes against female and minority male truckers, end quote. The agency says that these types of crimes are unreported for unknown reasons. The survey will be limited to female and minority truck drivers and will be conducted anonymously. The survey will begin by asking if a participant has experienced violence or harassment, and if so, will ask a participant follow-up questions on where and when the incidents occurred. Any information the respondent knows about the perpetrator and whether the respondent reported the incident. A maximum of 440 males and 440 females will be surveyed both in person and using online surveys. A $25 incentive will be offered to qualified participants. The FMCSA says that once they understand the nature of gender and race-related crime in the trucking industry, they'll be able to provide training and educational materials on how to prevent assault, stalking, and robbery. And this episode of Julia's Trucking Cafe is brought to you by, by Patriot Supply. As truck drivers, we all know what it's like to be at a shipper's or receiver's and have to be waited, have to wait to be loaded for hours on end. Am I right? I mean, you know, haven't you waited a while? Now, I know a couple of drivers that are pretty spoiled that are only, you know, 30 minutes to get unloaded, an hour to get unloaded, and an hour to get reloaded. Must be nice. I never experienced that. And this happens especially at produce coolers and paper mills. You know, don't we all remember that? That's why you need to have extra food with you in your truck. My Patriot Supply helps you stay prepared. Now, it's not what you're thinking. My Patriot Supply is delicious emergency food. They have food kits that are good up to 25 years, and they come in a slim line tote that can easily store in your food pantry at home or underneath your bunk. I can speak from experience. After living through Hurricane Katrina in my mobile home, we were went without power for 10 days, my mother and my son and I. If it weren't for the MREs that were flown into us, we wouldn't have had any food. I had four 60-foot pine trees break in half and landlock me in when it landed across my driveway. So I couldn't get out to go grocery shopping. And there were no groceries at the grocery store. Everything, all the store shelves were bare. Trucks couldn't get in or anything. Or like it happened just recently with my brother and sister-in-law. Their tornado devastated our family farm. They're still without power. That's when my Patriot Supply emergency food kit would come in handy. If I knew then what I know now about my Patriot Supply, I would definitely have some of this food stockpiled in my pantry. I have some in my bunk right now. In case those times that I didn't get a chance to go to the grocery store, I have it in my bunk, under my bunk, that I can at least get something to eat. Mix a little water with it and 
and you don't have to use the whole package up at one time either. It's a foil pack with Ziploc that you can only portion it out or whatever. I am don't run team or anything. I'm a solo driver and so I could portion it out, use half a package or whatever I want. Now for a limited time, you could get a one week food supply in a handy neat looking ammo can for just $39. And they even offer gluten free food for under $100. Just go to my website at juliastruckatcafe.com and click on the emergency food supply tab. Scroll down that page and click on any information, any image, I'm sorry, to find out more information. I'll spit it out right yet. You insure your car, you buy health insurance, vision and dental, why don't you buy food insurance? Stay prepared for anything that happens. Visit juliastruckatcafe.com and click on the emergency food supply tab to stay prepared today. Now let's get back to the news. A town vows to go after illegal truckers in August. Police in one Kansas, in one city in Kansas City are planning on cracking down on truck drivers who stray from truck routes in August. The Arkansas City Police Department has issued numerous warnings via social media about an upcoming enforcement campaign in August. The ACPD has been using their official social media accounts to announce a saturation patrol targeting targeting can't talk today illegal truck traffic happening in the month of august they say that truckers could be ticketed up to 200 dollars if they're found driving on prohibited roadway or not a truck route the acpd has issued multiple social media warnings about illegal truck traffic in the past few days some local truckers have pointed out the improper signage not truckers with a blatant disregard for the law may actually be the reason for truck traffic troubles in Arkansas City. Randall says, I'm a CDL driver for a company right here in Arkansas City. I completely understand the need to control where trucks can and can't go. The problem in the city is that the signs indicating truck routes are not present. The signs that prohibit trucks are in the wrong places. By the time a driver sees the sign, it's too late to turn or stop especially when you have a driver that lives elsewhere and has never been through our town. They become lost trying to get back onto the truck route. So we'll see what that happens there. DOT says it needs your help in defining agriculture commodity and livestock. What the hell is so hard about that? The FMCSA says that it's trying to provide increased flexibility for a hours of service regulations for ag and livestock haulers. They put out a request for comment on revising the definitions of the terms agricultural commodity and livestock as they relate to truck drivers hours of service regulations ahead of impending plans to alter those definitions to provide farmers and truckers with increased flexibility. On Monday, July 22nd, the FMCSA issued an official request for public comment on whether definitions of agriculture commodity or livestock should be revised in order to, quote, improve safety and offer additional flexibility to farmers and commercial drivers, end quote. The FMCSA excuse me, explains that currently during harvesting and planting seasons as determined by each state, Drivers transporting agricultural commodities, <coughs> including livestock, are exempt from the hours of service requirements 
from the source of the commodities to a location within a 150 air mile radius from that source. In other words, from the field to the grain bin within a 150 mile radius. The advanced rule authored by the FMCSA was prompted by indications that the current definition of these terms may not be understood or enforced consistently when determining whether the hours of service exemption applies. The FMCSA says that the current working definition for an agricultural commodity is any agricultural commodity, non-processed food, feed, fiber, or livestock. The FMCSA points out that defining an agricultural commodity in part as an agricultural commodity is confusing. It also asks for a comment on how to determine whether a food is non-processed. End quote. The definition of livestock set forth by the Emergency Livestock Feed Assistance Act of 1988 includes cattle, elk, reindeer, bison, horses, deer, sheep, goats, swine, poultry, including egg-producing poultry, fish used for food, and other animals designated by the Secretary of Agriculture that are a part of a foundation herd, including dairy, producing cattle, or offspring, or are purchased as a part of a normal operation and to not obtain additional benefits under the Emergency Livestock Feed Assistance Act of 1988, as amended, end quote. Phew! A 2018 amendment to the Emergency Livestock Feed Assistance Act of 1988 removed the term fish used for food and added in llamas, alapacas, live fish, crawfish, end quote, and removed the Secretary of Agriculture designation. Quote, FMCSA has worked closely with the agriculture industry and USDA in crafting this advance notice. We have heard concerns from the industry and we are acting, end quote, said FMCSA Administrator Raymond P. Martinez. Quote, we encourage all CMV stakeholders, especially those involved in transporting agricultural commodities and livestock, to provide valuable feedback on how the current definitions impact safety, compliance, and enforcement. For more information, the FMCSA's request for comment and to learn how you could submit your public comment, there is a link in this article that will be in the show notes. And also, I'm providing a link to the show notes in the description uh, under every episode. Just scroll down past the player and you will see all of the links. I also have links, um, as I will state here in a little bit, to where else you could find the show. Now, a trucker takes a 43-ton truck over a 14-ton bridge. What do you think happened? North Dakota police say that a semi-truck driver is to blame for collapsing an historic bridge in Grand Forks on the 22nd. Here's how the Sheriff's Department described the incident. At a, uh, July 22nd, 2019, at approximately 1.15 p.m., Michael Dodds was driving a 2005 Peterbilt tra- tractor trailer. He says truck tractor. It's the same thing. Pulling a trailer. So it's a, a semi-tractor pulling a trailer. Good grief. Loaded with dry beans. West on 3rd Avenue. Southwest of Northwood, North Dakota. Approximately one and a half miles southwest of Northwood, the truck traveled over a 56-foot long restricted weight bridge over the Goose River. The bridge collapsed and the trailer became hung up on the west abutment. 
The bridge was rated for 14 ton gross weight and with restrictions marked. It was built in 1906 and listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Dodd's weight was just over 14 ton or 86,750 pounds. An overload citation of $11,400 was issued. Dodds was uninjured. Due to the bridge being out, 3rd Avenue Northeast is closed between 36th Street Northeast and 37th Street Northeast. The estimated replacement cost of the bridge is between $800,000 and a million dollars. The Grand Forks County Sheriff's Office was assisted by North Dakota Highway Patrol, the Grand Forks County Highway Department, and Interstate Towing. The incident remains under investigation. Now, the truck's owner chimed in on the report, accuracy of the report, which I believe is in a video at the bottom of this article. I can't pull it up at the moment. Okay, he, it's not, I'm sorry, it's staying correct. It is not a video. I was able to pull up an article in my browser, and but he did comment. Uh, he's Shane is the owner of the truck. I can tell you it was marked clearly. He was not 86,000 pounds, and this road is a minimum maintenance road that no truck has any business being on. The driver used very poor judgment and has admitted so, and no one has been or could be any harder on him than he is on himself. Sadly for him, the community that loves the bridge and my insurance company, he was actually following Google Maps GPS for directions away from loading location and the bridge is at the end of a curve on a 10 wide road. He chose to proceed instead of stop. But weight was not the factor as the sheriff's post makes it sound. The trailer didn't get straight getting onto the bridge and make contact with the structure that pulled it off the pedestal where it sat. Bridge did not break, as you be led to believe, but in truth, fell off its support. So there he has clarification, and again, you will see the pictures that um, shows that, yeah, the bridge moved, and it did fall off the its concrete support. All right, back to the news. A truck driver drives from Montana to Maine to deliver aircraft for veterans. How cool is that? That's like totally awesome. A main trucker is garnering nationwide attention for volunteering to haul a Vietnam era fighter jet to help a group of veterans. Eric Daschle of Daschle Transportation recently volunteered to make the lengthy round trip from his home state of Maine to Montana to pick up a Vietnam era A7 Corsair and bring it back to Veterans Memorial Park in Lewiston, Maine, where it will remain on permanent display. A group of veterans have been attempting to arrange transportation for the Corsair for about two years before Daschle volunteered to help. Local news station reports that Daschle was on the road for two weeks making the round trip, but that it took a bit longer than expected because, quote, you got veterans coming up, looking at it, telling you stories, crying, little kids coming up with their grandparents, etc. End quote. The plane finally reached Lewiston this last Monday. Daschle will need to make another trip to Montana to pick up the 38-foot wing. And there again, you can see more in the video below. So they look like they have a really nice memorial park that the plane will be sitting along the backside of it. 
Uh, from Montana to Maine, a local truck driver brings a piece of history from the Vietnam War to Veterans Memorial Park in Lewiston. Uh, the importance of this A-7 fighter jet and why Vietnam vets get choked up seeing it. Because it really helped out in the war. There's a picture of it from the local news that you could see in this article, again, in the show notes. I get choked up reading about it. Now, another news. Oh, you guys are going to love this one. Now, you could take a college class to learn how to drive self-driving trucks. Yes, you heard right. You could take a class how to learn how to drive self-driving trucks. An Arizona community college is offering an unusual new course that promises to train truck drivers for a job that doesn't really exist yet. In Tucson, Arizona's Pima Community College is currently offering a 12-credit course that will turn students into, quote, certified autonomous vehicle driver and operations specialist, end quote. The course promises to teach students about, quote, the basic of computer hardware components, fundamental electronics, safety, health and environmental regulations, domestic freight transportation, and illustrating an understanding of autonomous vehicles, end quote. The course was created in partnership with self-driving truck company Too Simple, also based in Tucson. According to the description course description, excuse me, the five required classes will, be, will prepare students for a career as, quote, an autonomous commercial vehicle driver trainee, co-driver, or operations specialist, end quote. The program requires that a student already possess a Class A CDL, as drivers will build on their trucking knowledge with each course. Quote, it's clear that the future of truck transportation will offer new employment opportunities for today's drivers, but it will require a set of new skills, said Lee Lambert, Chancellor of Pima Community College. Quote, working with Too Simple to help this autonomous vehicle driver and operations special certificate program ensures our students will build competencies in multiple areas. Doesn't that just sound like somebody from a college talking? From logistics and information technology to automated industrial technology, these areas are being transformed by autonomy and drivers will need training in order to interact with autonomous trucks. Interact? Interact? I don't want to interact with my truck. Yeah. End quote. Registration for the class begins in August 2019. This class will start in August 2019. I'm going to get right on that. So now another update, as promised. If you remember a few weeks back, I reported on the Ukrainian young man that was driving a dually pickup truck with a gooseneck trailer and how he wiped out seven marine motorcyclists well the trucking company that he was driving for reportedly closed its doors shortly after the attorney general of massachusetts announced an investigation into the company in the wake of the crash that killed those motorcyclists in new hampshire embattled massachusetts trucking company westfield transport has closed its doors permanently in the wake of a fatal high-profile crash and the ensuing ensuing investigation. Local news station, Western Mass News, says that they were able to reach the company by phone on Tuesday, but were told that the company does not exist anymore, end quote. Um, that they permanently closed. 
The, it uh, comes after um, the Attorney General confirmed that her office was moving forward within a criminal investigation into the trucking company. The investigation is delving into the June 21st crash in which seven members of the Marine Jarheads Motorcycle Club were killed. This crash happened on Route 2 in the town of Randolph, New Hampshire, when a group of 10 motorcyclists were hit by a pickup truck hauling a trailer that crossed over the center line into the eastbound lane. The driver accused of causing the crash, 23-year-old Voldemir Zukowski, was arrested at his home in West Springfield, Mass. He has since pled not guilty to seven counts of negligent homicide. During the post-crash investigation, authorities learned that Zukowski was arrested on May 11th for OUI in Connecticut and the Massachusetts Registry of Motor Vehicles should have terminated his CDL but failed to do so. He also rolled a truck in the beginning of June in Texas, a, a tractor trailer in Texas. Investigators, investigators also determined that Westfield transport drivers are placed out of service four times more often than the average trunk, truck company. Excuse me, not trunk, truck. 28.8% versus 5.5%. So um, the only thing that I'm sure the families could do is sue this young man, which he has nothing, or sue, you know, go after the owners. Uh, but there again, if they have limited, if it's an LLC, a limited liability company, they can't even do that, which is, that's wrong. It's sad and that's wrong. You know, so he, they, I'm sure they are all freaked out and stuff that they're going to get caught doing illegal crap. Now, a sister needs help finding her missing brother. He's been missing since Monday night. A Pennsylvania woman has asked the trucking community for help in finding her missing brother, a truck driver who disappeared after dropping off a load. Catherine Victoria Taylor took to Facebook on Wednesday, July 24, to ask for help in locating her brother, Josh Osborne. Taylor says that Osborne works for Pennsylvania Trucking Company, Richard E. Boyer Trucking. According to Taylor, Osborne made a delivery in Ohio on Monday, July 22nd, but missed an appointment in Arkansas on Tuesday. Taylor says that Osborne's last known location was a petrol location in Greensburg, Indiana, where he apparently purchased fuel late on Monday. Osborne's truck has reportedly been recovered, but his cell phone is either dead or shut off. Taylor asked, has asked anyone who has information on Osborne to contact her through Facebook Messenger. And it's Catherine with a C, Victoria Taylor. A second update, the police notified us that they found my brother dead in his truck in Indiana. As of right now, we have no answers as to what happened to him. My family and I want to thank everyone for reaching out to us and sharing my post trying to find him. We are very overwhelmed and heartbroken, so we would greatly appreciate some time to grieve and privacy. Thank you all for your ongoing support as we go through this difficult time. Our condolences go out to uh, Miss Taylor and Osborne family. And California Highway Patrol, they go wah-wah over a woman's pink unicorn truck. To me, with all the polka dots on it, either looks like a bottle of Pepto-Bismol exploded, I'm sorry, just saying, or I'm not in the pink, or it looks like it has chicken pox. I'm just saying. Got a little carried away with the polka dots. The California Highway Patrol was so smitten with the female driver's pink polka dotted semi truck that they that they took and shared several photos on Facebook earlier this week. 
They have nothing better to do. The Gilroy Commercial Enforcement Facility recently shared photos of one of the most unique custom trucks we've ever seen after it rolled through our scale house. Take a look at some of the photos of the unicorn truck below. It's a Volvo day cab with the little unicorn dealie on the front and it's covered in pink polka dots, like I said. It looks like it, um, a jar of uh, Pepto exploded all over it, or, you know, it, it's got chicken pox. Now, I do want to share a personal story. I was in Ashland, at the Ashland TA, and a couple of places down, a couple of businesses down, there's a Waffle House on the same side of the street as the TA. Friday, a lady is holding a yard sale, and she is helping, out of her own pocket, disabled veterans and she's a member of their auxiliary she was in the waffle house yesterday morning buying breakfast six different breakfasts because these disabled veterans got kicked out of their place that they were staying at and now they are back on the street if you were going down 95 in ashland virginia exit 92b please walk over make some kind of a donation. I know there's a lot of veterans out here driving. Buy something from her uh, yard sale. All proceeds go to these disabled veterans in the Ashland, you know, Ashland area. It would be greatly, greatly appreciated. I paid for those six breakfasts and the woman burst into tears. She does this on a weekly basis out of her own pocket. So if you could greatly stop by and uh, Waffle House the uh, yard sale is going to be Friday this Friday the 26th I wish I knew about it sooner but sorry this is that's why I'm trying to get this out real quick that um, please stop by and and make a donation it is for a good cause I normally don't talk about that but any help that I could give the disabled veterans I'll do it in a hot second. I greatly, greatly appreciate all of you who tune in every week to listen to me banter on the cafe. If you are new to the cafe and you like to check us out, at the bottom of every description of every show on my website at juliastruckatcafe.com, there are links that I have listed on where you could find me, like iHeartRadio. I got a YouTube channel. Please subscribe. iTunes. Spreaker, Spotify, I'm now on, um, which one is it now? I can't even think anymore. Um, shoot, I lost it. Pa um, Player FM, um, that's another uh, podcast app. If you're on Android, the podcast app, Google Play Store, etc. And if you're on Facebook, like our page on Facebook. And don't forget to join our discussion group at Julia's Truck and Cafe Regulars. Now, under the website, I do have to explain a little bit because it's, I'm trying to stay with the cafe uh, theme. There's a cafe menu. It's a drop-down menu, and it's the central hub of the website. You'll find everything there in the cafe menu. Emergency Food Kit has its own. I have a cafe store. Um, also, there is another page of where else you could find me on the cafe. That has all the links. Just click on any of the images to go right to that link and like me. I greatly would greatly appreciate it. And it also helps me move up the rankings. The subscribe to our email list. That's a little drop-down menu. If you don't want to, that's fine. I completely understand. If you visit our website, just click on no thanks or X out. It's on the very bottom right corner. You know, I just put that pop-up menu so it's easier for people if they want to. 
Uh, if you subscribe to my email list, I will email you the show notes, the articles that I talk about on every weekly episode, right to your inbox. So you can read it for themselves. You can see the pictures. I try to put the videos in there, but sometimes it's kind of hard. So I mainly just do the photos and stuff. So you really want to see what I'm talking about. This way you don't got to keep coming back to the website, which don't get me wrong. I'm glad that you do. And you can, like I said, view these articles. In the future, if I'm having new things coming out and you're a member of my email list, you're going to have the heads up on what's going on. From new pages to specials to anything going on and specials in the cafe store. And before I forget, please feel free to leave a comment on the bottom of any post, episode, Facebook post that I do in the Julia's Truck and Cafe regulars. Share stuff in or um, on the cafe page, I mean. Share when you join the regulars, feel free to share stuff. I would ask that you don't do any major company bashing. We all have to work for somebody, but company bashing, you know, it, it just gets old after a while. So I would ask that you please do not do that. Um, it's mainly geared to help new drivers out here for questions, talk about different things going on, rule hours of service, rules, regs. That type of thing. And not really be bashing companies. Um, And if you have an idea for an upcoming show. Please feel free to email me. At info at juliastruckatcafe.com Also if you would like to be a sponsor of the show. In the description there is a link to my Patreon. Or you could do a one time um, sponsorship to my uh, PayPal Me page. Um, It does take a lot to do this podcast on a weekly basis. Um, I'm only one person. I don't have a team of people or anything uh, helping me out besides, you know, internet and all this kind of thing um, and all the memberships because I have to pay for having this podcast in some different directories and stuff. So to defer the cost. As a gift, if you do become a member or a sponsor to the show, I have a um, Discord group, a private chat group, that we can be like the cafe, come in and talk once a week about different trucking issues or what's going on or what I heard about, this kind of thing. So that is a perk. You also, it's like three, five, and I think I can go up to a $10 level uh, um, monthly sponsorship. And then with the $10 level, then you would even get behind the scenes of how I do the show, how I produce the show, how I make the podcast each and every week. Just little tidbits here and there. I'm also going to be putting new recipes up. That's under the cafe menu and cooking in your truck. Along with, I have a lot to do with finding recipes, posting them up, finding different stuff of stupid things that drivers do. Along with recording the episode every week, plus driving 70 hours a week. So I'm on my way to Oklahoma right now. I'm in West Virginia. So if you see a a, a white and orange Barlow truck, you know, toot the horn and and wave and say hi that you heard heard of me on the radio. So wasn't that a song? Didn't Reba McIntyre or something like that do a song of, you can hear me on the radio? No, get me singing. But anyway, I don't want to lose listeners. So... You all take care and keep the shiny side up. And until next time. Yeah, we got a little